0: We are in a series called Sweat Equity, and this series came out of the realization that I wish the American church were more like my gym, and uh, Lisa and I started working out together at this gym, and uh, it's it's run much like a concentration camp. Uh, where they torture you and do, do all these different things. And so we've been going over what does it mean to be uh, different than just a Christian. If you're a disciple, we've been talking about um, what does it mean to, uh, to expect to work and all these different things. And I just wanted to share uh, a, about a week ago. Um, so this gym has this thing called a TRX machine, which is as frightening as it sounds. Um, and it's these straps that you hold on to, and uh, we were doing these circuits, and I got to the end, and I, I literally couldn't move, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so my face, if you, could, if, if you could have taken a picture of my face, it was like this. <laughs> I, I just couldn't, my eyes were closed, I didn't want to look at anyone, I didn't want to talk to anyone, and we were doing these things called um, jump squat rows, where you, you go all the way down, and I, I, <laughs> uh, you go all the way down, uh, hit your butt on the floor, and then spring up and then do a row, right? And, and you just kind of keep doing that. Uh, and so I'm doing it, and I'm at the end, and I literally thought to myself, I'm going to die. I'm going, this is it. This is my last, last thing. And... Uh, The trainer came up, and he put his hand on my shoulder. And I thought, finally, I'm getting the recognition I deserve. (laughs) He's probably never, in the time he's been training people, seen anyone work as hard as I was right then. And so he put his hand on my shoulder, and I thought, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for noticing finally and when I got up he pushed me back down again and I'm like no touchy okay no touchy and then I got back up and he pushed me back down again and now I'm starting to get ticked right and he kept going faster faster and I'm like do you see his face this is like this is it this is all I can't I can't do anymore idiot, right, and I'd get up, and he pushed me up faster, faster, and so I'm starting, I'm like, this is crazy, and then finally, you know, the time ran out, as did my legs, and uh, here's the thing, I actually went faster, he actually pushed me to go faster, and when I was at the end, end, end and I thought I couldn't handle any more, I actually went faster. Now, I ended up uh, quitting the gym. No, I I didn't. Um, But I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I actually had more in the tank. And here's what I'm hoping you'll see this morning, because we're going to talk about a topic that's going to make you super duper uncomfortable. Uh, You can handle more. You can handle more. There's a saying that that God doesn't give you any more than you can handle. He does give you more than you can handle. Absolutely, he does. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we are sitting in a place in our lives where we're sitting there going, "I can't handle any more." You ever been there? And then all of a sudden, something else happens. We, Lisa and I, in a particularly dark uh, time in our lives, with um, one of our children having some medical issues. I remember sitting in in the in the uh, in bed and. Uh, there was an episode, and I remember thinking, because at that point, I was like, I cannot handle anymore. And then I remember uh, when um, uh, my son had one of his seizures, I remember saying to God, really? Like, really? I already told you I can't handle anymore. And really, we're, we're going to do this. And I remember having that sense of just like, I can't handle this. But I could, with his help. I, I could handle it. It it did turn me to him. That in fact, the difficulty and the struggle and the uncomfortableness actually drew me closer to my heavenly father. Now I know what you're thinking. If you're like me, you're thinking, isn't there another way? Like... Isn't there a better way? Like, you know, you wake up and there's a donut by your bed and it's, you know, God, it's from God. You know, have a, have a wonderful day today. You know, I'll be up there taking care of everything. Don't worry. And birds chirping and all sorts of stuff like that. Don't you wish it could be that way? Don't you wish it could be like, man, can't, why can't life just be good all the time? Well, unfortunately, we live in a broken world. We are going to have difficulty. There's no way around it. One time I heard a pastor when I was first married. And they said, if, um, you're either um, in the difficulty right now. Or you're, you're, you're on your way towards difficulty, okay? And I was newly married. Life was awesome. I'm just like, that's a, what a bummer. <laughs> like, that's not how you preach. That doesn't encourage me at all. Like, there's going to be problems. It sure did once their problems came, Right? Because here they are. So, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite topic money. Right? Now, if you're new, right, you're going, I knew it. Every time I go to church, there's somebody up there. I don't have a hairpiece, but I might get one later. Uh, <laughs> there's somebody up there that wants my money. You know, it's, and, and you'll know, send it in and you'll be blessed and all that kind of stuff. I, and I totally understand that. And if you've been away from church for a long time and you're finally just coming back maybe to God or maybe the Bible or whatever, I am so sorry that we're talking about this uncomfortable topic. It's uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me. But here's the thing. It's not uncomfortable for God. And it's a really, really important topic for him. And it's a really important topic, especially as we talk about sweat equity. We talk about what are the things I have to do in order to be healthy. And in this series, we're talking about the things we have to do in order to be healthy in our spiritual lives. And God cares about your soul, and he cares about your spiritual life. And so we're going to be talking about how God views money, why he views it that way, and why do we talk about it in the church Well, we talk about it in the church because we talk about the Bible in the church and we talk about people's lives in the church and people's lives in the Bible talk a lot about money. As a matter of fact, I'll bet if you would to hold yourself to the same standard uh, as far as talking about money, if you start monitoring what your conversations are, you will find that during the week you talk about money a lot, okay? And Jesus talked about money a lot. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about money, and I'm not pulling any punches, okay? I'm just going to be going faster, and I'm going to be pushing you down, okay? And, uh, and then you can leave after that and go, man, that guy's weird, whatever you want to do. But Let me, let me kind of frame this out of why, uh, how we look at money and how we look at uh, our things, okay? With this verse in Genesis that, that was written... Well, well, it was written after the the fall of man, but it was this particular time in Genesis was before there was sin. Before anybody sinned, this next verse talks about what God expected out of his people. Okay, it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. How many of you before uh, when you thought about creation and you thought about pre sin, you kind of thought of the garden as being everybody 's naked and walking around and eating grapes and just kind of letting the the wind blow through their hair, and everything was all you know w- w- wonderful okay that 's not what was planned. What was planned was that God had the garden, and man uh, and women would work it and take care of it that in fact you were Created to create. You were created to work. You were created for stewardship, not ownership. That in fact, God has created you already right out the chute as a manager. You are a manager, not an owner. So you manage your finances. You don't own them. You say, oh, I absolutely do own them. I worked for them. You do not own them. They're owned by God. You manage them. Yes, but I went and got that job. Okay, who gave you the voice for the interview? God. Right? Who gave you your hands to do the work? Who gave you your mind? Who, who, who had you born into the family you were born, in the place you were born? All this God did. For we are his, what, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand in order that we would walk in them. This is why we were created to work. We were created for good works. We are created to manage. So that money you have in your bank account, and the car you drove in here on, or the motorcycle, or bike, or whatever, is, is you managing those things. Another thing you manage is your time. You've been granted a certain life, a certain amount of time, and you don't necessarily know how long it's going to go. I'm sure in the group like this, as healthy as you are, it's well into the hundreds. I'm sure. I can just look out and see. Okay. I can tell those things. But you've been given this life. This certain amount of time. It is not yours. It is yours to manage. Okay. And then we could go on and on and on. You've been given talents. Some of you are good at math. Some of you are good at English. Some of you are good at, you know, you're coordinated. Some of you are uh, really intelligent. Some of you are not so much. But, you know, what are we going to do, right? One of us has to preach. Okay, so, uh, so you have these, these talents you've been given. You have a shape, a certain way you're, you're, you're bent. Certain gifts of maybe you, you feel real deep empathy. That's something you manage, That's something that is used for God. we We are created to work and to manage. We are created for stewardship, not ownership. And the sooner you can realize that what you receive is on loan from God to be distributed how he sees fit, the sooner you'll become more healthy as it relates to your finances. Jesus says it this way in Luke, whoever can be trusted with very little will also... Be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. This is a very big stewardship um, uh, verse here. To go, look, you've been given stuff. And you say, well, man, if you, if you see my finances or my apartment or my, my stuff, you know, you'd see, I, I don't really have that much. Oh, it, that, he doesn't care. How are you managing what you have? Maybe as it relates to time. You don't have much time. You, don't, you know, you're rushing around. You, got, you work hard and all this. But how are you managing that time? How are you managing what has been entrusted to you? Now, the Bible talks about money in terms of percentages. And the big percentage thing that you'll hear in church, it's a fancy word called tithe... That just means tenth. That's what tithe means. Like, like how much am I supposed to tenth? A tenth. Okay? That's what tithe means. How much are you supposed to tithe? A tithe. And, and this is an Old Testament concept. And what would happen is uh, in an agrarian society, you realize, well, you know, if you're a farmer or you're, you realize really better than we do in in this American Western culture that, man, if it doesn't rain, you don't have crops. If your uh, livestock gets sick, you don't have livestock. And so they counted a lot on God to be able to provide for them. They realized that a lot of this was out of their control. And so when they'd harvest, they would take a tenth of what they had, and they would bring it to the temple, and so that the temple could run, and that that was their way of just saying, okay, God, this is yours. Thank you for what you've given me. This is yours, and that has always been the standard, and Jesus reissues that standard. When he says to the Pharisees, look, you tithe, great, you tithe to the mint, the dill, and the cumin, like the tiniest little spices. The Pharisees would have their little bowl, and they'd figure out a tenth, and they'd put it in a little packet, and they'd bring it to the temple, and the temple's like, seriously, dude? Uh, You know, come on. Uh, And so they, they do that, and he says, but you've forgotten the weightier things of the law, justice and mercy. Then he makes a statement, those other things, the tithe, you should do. But just don't forget justice and mercy and people, okay? And this is so much so with Jesus um, that, that uh, he would sit in the temple and he'd sit back and he'd watch people give, much like God does now. <laughs> God watches you give and he watches your heart and he watches kind of how, and, and, and he, please hear me, please hear me. He does it as a loving father because he knows, which we're going to see in a little bit, what happens when finances control us. And so when we lose control, when we lose this thing of setting God first in our finances, our finances begin to control us. And we begin to live a life that is very stressed out. And some of you have probably been there. I've been there as well. And so Jesus sits in the temple, and we're going to look at this verse in a second, and he's just watching the people give. And, and what would happen is, um, you know, they had coins back then. They didn't have paper money. And so uh, the wealthy people would make a big deal when they went. So in our church, we don't pass a plate. There's a box in the back, okay? And so if you uh, don't give online, a lot of people will give online. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, if you write a check or you give cash or that's how you give, Imagine if you walked back there, and you just had coins. And when you gave, you just clink, 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 like, like, you're, at, you're, at, like you're at Vegas, okay? And, then, and the more clinks, everyone would go, ooh, oh my goodness, look at that. Oh, they gave so much money, and it this make this big thing, right? This is what would happen. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put in, and watched the crowd putting their money. Into the temple treasury, many rich people threw in large amounts. He just made all that racket so that everyone could see. Look, look at me. This is one of the things that Jesus uh, hits on a lot. And what the Bible hits on a lot is where's your heart when you're giving? Is it to show how much you're giving? Is it where, where, where is it? And so he, he's looking at these people. But then a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And so Jesus freaks out, and he starts calling the disciples to him. Peter, Peter, come here, come here, hurry, 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 hurry up, hurry up. Matthew, come here, hurry up. Stop talking to that girl. Come over here real quick. I don't know if Matthew is married or not, but. Jesus calling his disciples to him, he says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. Why? They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. That was it. It is so important as we want to grow to be healthy disciples that we get this thing down with our finances. That we get it down to where we are putting God first in everything. And let me tell you something, it is hard. It's hard to do. Fortunately for me, I was, uh, I grew up poor, and uh, I had my, my, this is when the lunch programs just started in the public school, and so I would take my lunch card, and I would go get it uh, stamped, and I'd get a free lunch, and then everyone around me would make fun of me because I was poor, okay? And so, now here's the crack up. Uh, The school I went to, they were all poor, all right, so I don't even know, but anyway, it, it felt horrible, and so I decided at an early age, or I realized at an early age, I was going to have to take care of myself, that my, my parents weren't going to, you know, buy me a bunch of stuff or whatever. If I wanted something, I, I had to earn it, and so um, you had to be 13 to get a paper out, and I, I was 12, and I lied and said I was 13 so that I could get a paper out. Um, yes, that was... Uh, Anyway, um, so your pastor lied, okay, to get money. That's great. And so go and do likewise. Okay, no. Uh, so, so I get this paper out. I'm 12 years old. And uh, when I'm 13, I start going to this different church than my parents. My dad was a pastor, and it was a tiny, tiny church. And he said, just go to the church where you find Jesus for you. And so I did. It was a big church in Pasadena called Lake Avenue Congregational Church. And the pastor was Paul Cedar. And his hands were the size of trees. Like he was, they, they were longer than my legs. Like he they, and he would go like this. And one of the things I remember about him, uh, they had a connection card, like we do. And uh, I, I wrote on the connection card, if you really read these, stand in front of the congregation and say, Hunkamunkah. And I turned it in. And he came up, and he, he had his glasses like this, and he said, We received a connection card that says, if you really read these, stand in front of the congregation and say honka-monka. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he meant. Right? <laughs> so I, to me, I was just like, he's a god. <laughs> like, like that was the coolest thing for me at 13 years old. And then he gave a talk on tithing. And I'm like, I'll never come back here again. <laughs> What he told me was what I'm telling you is that if you can get this practice into your life as early as possible, and if you're young and you're hearing my voice, do it as soon as you possibly can, and it will never be a problem for the rest of your life. It's very difficult if you try to do it later because you've already spent the 100% he's given you, and so to find 10 is hard. But I remember taking my paper route money, and uh, at that church, they'd give you these tithe envelopes, and they had your name on it, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world, until I realized all they were doing was taking my money, and uh, so it was like they're not that cool. And every month, I'd figure out how much I made with my paper route, and I'd put in my money. So if I made $200 that month, I'd put in $20, and I'd put it in the connection plate. Now, that's great when you're 13, and it's $20, Okay? But then I got out of college, and my first job, I was making $24,000 a year. And that tithe was $2,400. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I mean, it was cool when I was a little kid, and I had this extra money, and I, you know, you got the piggy bank, and you got all that. But do you know what I could do? I was newly married. I had college debt. I married um, an awesome girl with college debt as well. And so there we are, and a car payment. And so... Uh, th- there we were, and it's like twenty four hundred bucks. And then, then she got a job as a teacher, and and so we were making like together. Like I had to tie five thousand dollars of my money and her money. She, she she worked five thousand dollars, and we just continued the practice. And so we didn't even think about she made twenty-five, I made twenty-five, and we had fifty thousand. We didn't even think that way. She made twenty-five, I made twenty-five, we had forty-five. We just automatically take the tithe out. And this is how we've lived our lives ever since. And I've shared the story that it almost cost us our home one time. We didn't, we had money for tithe, and we had money for the house payment, and they, they didn't add up. Here's what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The key word, yourselves. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then here is the kicker. This is the key verse. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And now, I know what you're thinking because I think the same way. If I'm tithing, okay, um, and, and let's say, you know, I, I'm, I'm making my money, I get my paycheck, and if I'm tithing, that money is like going away. That money's going to have to come from somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't think all of us are just living, you know, extravagantly and, and it's you know, it's going to be hard. But here's where it what happens. And this is why I believe that 10% of our check is the most important portion of the pay. Because that forces us to adjust our lives around God and not the other way around. See, by having to make that decision to go, okay, I'm going to tithe my 10%, that means I, I eat different then I, I can't go out to eat as much. It means I can't live in, a, in a, bigger, a bigger place. I have to live in a smaller place, perhaps. Maybe it means I can't afford the new car. I can only afford the car I'm currently driving. I'm, I'm adjusting my life around God, and this is exactly why the tithe was instituted In the first place. So that we would make those decisions. So we would say. Okay Lord. You've given me 100%. You get back 10. And I live on the rest. It's a pretty good deal. How am I going to live on the rest? Now this is so difficult. Because our culture. Western culture. Is the opposite. This culture. The American culture that we live in. Says your 100% isn't even enough. That God provided you. That's not, that's not enough. That's, no one can live on the 100% you're supposed to live on, let alone 90%. And so we have these other gods that provide for our needs. Visa. <laughs> the God of MasterCard. It even has master in the name for crying out loud. What does that tell you? Right? We have... Easy financing. We've got all these different ways. God, God can't provide for you. Even, if, even on 100%, he can't provide for you. 90%, that's just ludicrous. So we have these other things that will provide what you deserve. Because, after all, it's all yours. And then we become enslaved. He goes on. Three verses after this one. No one can serve two Master Cards. Okay? Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is a horrible, horrible God. It's a terrible God. We become enslaved to it. We become indebted to it. It becomes our lives. We talk about it all the time. We talk about when the next raise is, what this costs, what that costs, what can I get here, what can I get there. Money is a horrible God. Money does not have your best interests in mind. Money wants everything. God entrusts us with everything and says, Now steward it. Take care of it. Live your life around managing it, not letting it manage you. Here's a statement I came up with a while ago when I was preaching on this, and I want to use it again. Giving is not God's way of raising money. It's his way of raising his children. He doesn't need the money. It's already his Everything, it says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which basically doesn't mean anything to us now, but back when it was written, that meant he owns everything, okay? He holds everything in his hands. As we sang, he holds the universe, which includes your Bank of America statement. He owns everything. And so the tithe and money and these things are God's way of saying, listen, listen, listen. If you don't get a handle on this, if you don't control this, if you don't um, make your financial decisions based on how I would do it, it is going to destroy you. It is going to control you. And the tithe is one of those ways to get past that. Now, because Lisa and I had started early um, before we got married and into this, this discipline of tithing, uh, we've had some pretty difficult seasons in our life where, like I said, there was one time where we were really close to just having to sell our home because we couldn't afford the payment. What would have happened if that had happened? Well, we would have moved into an apartment. We would have stayed married. We would have moved on. But we would have had that thing. You know what, Lord? I think maybe we're just... Living too much outside of our means, we need to regroup. We need to restructure. And 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 it's a release. It's 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 peace. When I uh, left business to become a pastor, we took a major uh, pay cut, Uh, and so uh, and we were like, well, what what are we going to do? We'll we'll probably have to sell our house, and we'll probably have to move into a smaller place, and we'll have to uh, because we just knew we couldn't. It wasn't going to be like it was before. And maybe we'd have to downsize. And there was so much peace in it. There was so much relief. Like, okay, sweet. Let's just do that. God's going to take care of us. That was 12 years ago that we took that. And we're fine. He's taking care of us every step of the way. God is faithful. And so... It's his way of raising his children. It's his way of saying, you don't need to worry about money. You don't need to, just. I'm providing you this, you can live on it. And the the reason I know, and praise God we have an entire world. The reason I know you can live on it, and the reason I know I can live on it, is because 95% of the world is living on far, 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 far less than we are. They would kill for 90%. The ninety percent. They could they would they would they'd be set for life. So I know it can be done. Believers are doing it now. God says this bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And then, he, then there's a verse in Malachi that is taken out of context a lot. Uh, it says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough uh, room uh, enough to store it. That uh, sounds like you're kind of a give and get. If you give your tithe, uh, he'll slip you a few under the table and you you know, you, you'll be, you know, you give to get and it's this big blessing. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes I've heard stories of people who began to tithe and then they got a check from the IRS or whatever. I, I would not expect that to happen, okay? I would expect your life just gets harder. That, that's probably what, what's going to happen in the beginning. But then you're going to begin to get strengthened and strengthened and strengthened, and the peace of Christ, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, as you begin to make this a pattern in your life. So, um, as I wrap up, I want to just give you this challenge: it's the one percent challenge, Um, uh, and it's to figure out what what do you actually give. You know, so for some, and again, we, we're, we're, we're thankful for everything. But some, you know, it's like, oh, I'll throw something in the offering plate or whatever. And that, that's great. And for those of you who are doing that, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I, I, I want to push you a little bit. I want to put my hand on your shoulder a little bit and push you down. <laughs> because you can handle more. You can handle more. And so let's say you look, let's say you're looking at your finances, okay? And let's say you go, well... I give 1% already. That's what I give. I would encourage you to give 2%. Let's say you give 10% already. You say, I I give 10%. You've done your due diligence. I would say sponsor an ELI child. Sponsor two. Test. Try. Try. Go go to edenprojects.org and buy some trees. Just anything to break the chains of hoarding and mine, and I have to have it, and I have to have it. And test him. Pick a number. Maybe this week you go before the Lord and you say, I I, I, I realized I give 1%, okay? And you go, Lord, this is dangerous stuff I'm going to tell you right now. Okay? What do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? Now, he might not say 10%. Because he loves you and he knows this is a process and a journey and this isn't works. It's not the law. He might say, you know what? Try 5%. Let's try that and see what happens. Let's see if we can do it. And you you pick that number. One of the things that Lisa and I do uh, that's helpful to us because I used to write a check uh, every time I went to church, and then I'd forget my checkbook, and then I'd have to write a check for like six weeks worth of tithe, and I'm like, ugh, and it made me sick to my stomach. And so uh, we just started doing direct deposit of just... Bank of America sends out a check. every. I know what I make, and Lisa knows what she makes, and we just send out a check. And when it gets into that rhythm and it's gone, you don't regret it. At least I never have. I've regretted money I've spent. <laughs> I've never regretted money I've given to whomever it is and however it is. I just haven't. And so that's, that's your challenge. We've, we've had a challenge a few weeks ago of... Um, of praying for somebody that you don't like. Uh, We had a challenge last week of getting off of the news and Facebook and stuff for 30 days or whatever you ask the Lord to do. Uh, And this week we have a challenge for you between you and your Heavenly Father. I don't know what anybody gives, nor do I care. I just care about you. Between you and your Heavenly Father, what would you have me give? And then you start that process. And you'll find... As you keep do this and you get into the rhythm, you get into a rhythm that you can actually handle more than you think you can. Let me uh, pray for us and um, we're going to enter into a, a different uh, time of, of our worship. We're going to take communion together and uh, what communion is, is it's a reminder of the price that Jesus actually paid for us. And so we talk in terms of 10% and this or that. He, he actually laid down his life for us. That we would have a relationship with him. That we would start this journey of discipleship. That we would have a savior that when things do get difficult, we have someone to lean on. Someone who's gone before us. And so the, the cracker that we have in there represents uh, his body that was broken. On the night that he was betrayed, he was with his disciples And he took the bread and after giving thanks he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. Whenever you eat of this, remember me. And in the same way he took the cup and we have juice that represents that and he says, this is my blood that has been poured out for the remission of sins. Every time you take this remember me. And so what we do is Aju is going to play a song and whenever you're ready there will be ushers on either side of the stage you can just come up get your cracker get your juice the body and blood of Christ and we just remember him we remember his sacrifice we remember the payment that he made on our behalf and some people will come to the stage here and just kneel and and be with God in that way and you you can take it back to your chair or um, do whatever you want but uh, let me pray for us Lord God we thank you for the price you paid And Lord, I I know there's so many people uh, in the sound of my voice that are really going through financial issues. And Lord, this is not a a weight to be placed on them. But Lord, on the other hand, you are our provider and you will provide. And that you've promised that as we give with, with hearts that are free and we'll be released from the chains of fear and of anxiety. Now, whatever we need to go through, Lord, you are there. You do give us more than than, than we can handle, but you don't give us more than you can handle. And so, Lord, I just pray for courage, for boldness, and as it relates to our finances. In Jesus' name, amen.